Transfer complete. Hello and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast for two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between the Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith, and joining me on the glitzy Las Vegas stage... This is Tyler Orton, getting ready for his 56-year mission. And why is that, folks? Because this week, we're returning to Vegas, baby, for the Star Trek Las Vegas convention, the 56-year journey Tyler is referring to. Yeah, so since we've been gone, you know, I guess uh, Creation Entertainment lost their rights uh, to be the official Star Trek convention, which is why it's now the 56-year mission cam. This is the first time that you and I have been back since August of 2019. We did not go last year, you know, the whole pandemic stuff. I think you and I were a little bit wary. Things were still shaking out with regards to... You know, getting our vaccinations as two Canadians, uh, there are a lot of travel restrictions that would have made it quite arduous for us to fly over the border. Uh, we would have been paying, you know, hundreds of dollars for uh, some uh, tests and all that sort of stuff. I, we had to wash our hands of it, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be back. Um, we, we should preface this. Uh, we've always been promoting our Star Trek panels at the uh, STLV conventions. Unfortunately, we won't be back for a panel. It wasn't because we did not want to do it. It wasn't because we pitched something too racy for creation entertainment. It just kind of came down to logistics, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, Cam, I, I've been lamenting my um, uncertainty about uh, vacation time. And I think the issue was, is uh, what if I am booked on this panel on like a Thursday or a Friday and I might have to actually work that day which would have made things a little bit dicey for us so uh but i don't know i'd be down to uh do a panel next year though that's for sure would the panel if i were just doing it turn would it have turned into like the garth hosted episode of wayne's world from the movie i'm clearly wayne <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> where i'm just like staring at the crowd going like uh, well uh. <laughs> I, I i i would have uh somehow uh zoomed on and then I start, uh, do you know I would have done, Cam? I would have grabbed a flashlight and go, I'm the leprechaun, and just made you, like, uh, you know, <laughs> get, get scared out of your mind by doing that over Zoom. And there's, like, a big, crazy, bombastic subspace transmissions theme music cue <laughs> that I don't even understand what it is. Uh, it's ballroom <laughs> blitz, that's for sure, 100%. <laughs> no, it's Isa Briona singing Blue Skies. Okay, okay. Yeah, bombastic, Cam. <laughs> the remix <laughs> yeah i guess we missed that well yeah, we missed that performance last year uh uh-huh well there you go so um cam oh okay so looking into this though uh i i i um uh the, the travel situation look there have been lots of reports of these uh canadian airport nightmares uh i was just traveling um uh flying to and from calgary alberta uh just a few weeks ago zero issues for me uh, I have one of those Nexus cards, you know, kind of like the the fast track uh, lines. Even if I was in a regular lineup, I, I probably would have waited maybe an extra five minutes in Vancouver and an extra one minute in Calgary, you know, for those flights. I'm not worried about that. Uh, what I will be investing in is an air tag for my checked in luggage. I was carry on only in Calgary. I can't get away with that for our uh, two week trip in which we're going to. Uh, you and I, we won't just be doing Vegas Cam, we'll be doing Utah and Southern California as well. So I'm feeling confident about the travel, but I want to know, what are you like in anticipation of traveling uh, across uh, borders for the first time in three years? You see, it's funny that you're saying you're going to um, have a full luggage. I'm just going to bring all I own in like a paper sack for the two weeks. Uh, sorry, uh, roommate. <laughs> but um, no, like for me in terms of prep... Um, I've definitely bought an AirTag, so I'm waiting for that to be delivered in a couple days. Um, I I guess I, I have a little bit of anxiety about the flying situation just because I haven't flown since the pandemic. Um, I suspect, you know, as you said, like your flight, you know, within Canada was pretty seamless. So I expect the same, but I always have that anxiety in the back of my head of what if it isn't? What if it's like nightmare day? Um, so the only thing I think I'm a little concerned about is just like 
picking up baggage after the flight. I think everything else I'm totally fine with. It's just that nervousness about actually having my stuff there when I actually land in Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I look, I'm putting all my necessities in my two carry-on bags and, uh, you know, whatever I can't fit in, I'll throw it into my uh, my checked luggage. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to get... It's out of our control, so I'm not going to stress out about it at that point, you know. So, um, oh, look, I, I, so I guess I've been on, like, four different flights, uh, all domestic. Um, I, I found traveling relatively easy. I kept my mask on uh, throughout... The, the time except when i had uh you know my my soda pop and my uh pretzels and <laughs> you know i, I don't know it's, to me it just it, it felt the same um i will uh I, I do suspect that um you and i we, we've always flown out on uh you know sunday mornings uh you know i think around 9 nine thirty, and um flights generally aren't packed from vancouver to vegas i think you and i might be uh we might not be sitting together you know especially if we check in separately so um eh, yeah. other than that you know but uh kim we will be touching down and instead of the rio where that's where every single star trek las vegas convention that i've gone to it's been at the rio hotel off strip a real dump uh we're moving over to bally's and the convention center is notably smaller it looks like it will be a sold out crowd there which i was very skeptical of uh, just a few weeks ago, but Cam, you love nothing more when uh, I get to admit that I'm wrong. <laughs> and so, uh, look, I, I, I'm, I am uh, more anxious about uh, being in uh, massive crowds where who knows what the vaccination status is of everyone shoulder to shoulder. Uh, whereas, Cam, we live in a uh, a province where it's probably the most vaccinated jurisdiction in the world. So yeah. uh, I've been going to concerts, uh, movie theaters, clubs. Um, I've learned all the wrong lessons from this pandemic in which I've put myself in high-risk situations. And the only time I got uh, COVID was at uh, Christmas time with my family. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've clearly learned all the wrong lessons. So uh, I, 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 I'm going to be safe as possible while I'm in Vegas, but I don't want to live in some hermetically sealed bubble boy you know, tube, uh, walking around in some sort of like pike wheelchair motoring me around the convention. I I, I will uh, be safe and smart, shoulder to shoulder with big crowds and see what happens from there. Um, the other thing is, I, 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 there's some like uh, epidemiologists saying like, yeah, you know, if you haven't had COVID, you probably have, you just don't realize it. Yeah. You know, you're probably asymptomatic. You had such uh, mild symptoms. You didn't really realize it at the time. You know, so maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm super immune. You know, I've got uh, three uh, doses in me at this point. I'm due for another dose in the fall. So I don't know. I've done all I could there. So uh, that, that those are my anxieties, but it's kind of out of my control unless I'm being a total jerk. You're like Boimler after his um, <laughs> red shirt, you know, do-over. Where you have like the big muscle suit and the hair and the hair slick back, you're like, I'm immune, baby. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, what what are your 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 uh, you and I are both kind of germaphobes, but I think you're a little bit uh, uh, more worried about COVID than I am. Uh, what are you feeling like about kind of the the, the uh, experience is going to be like in in a situation we haven't really had before? Like they always had stories of con crud, which I never got. I'm one of the few people in our yeah. group that has never gotten sick at these conventions. I can, I hope I can keep that streak alive, but I might be jinxing myself right at this point. Yeah, like I, I can't say that I'm more concerned about, you know, COVID than most of the time. Like, it's not something like I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, really scared of travel because I might get COVID. It's more like there's a higher percent chance, I feel like, of getting sick than other years and i have gotten sick for the vegas con both uh just you know con crud as well as food poisoning i have a spotty track record for health during the convention weekend so i'm like my nightmare is not getting covid like i I think i'll be fine but like i just don't want to get sick on vacation that's the thing i don't want so that is where my concern comes from it's entirely just the please don't get sick on vacation i don't want that yeah, we're sharing a room, and I'd hate for you to have to sleep in the hallway. <laughs> the bathtub? <laughs> Not even. You're in the hallway, sir. Yeah, you know, you get to have you get to sleep underneath the maid's cart. You'll have to like push out all the little shampoos and uh, sleep underneath the curtain there. But like one of the maids like runs me over in the morning with another cart. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, uh, there. So, okay, look, we're going to be at Bally's, and uh, it, it is a, a a smaller venue, and um, but it is like more of a a classier joint. I I suspect, look, they've got Renos going on at the Rio. I don't think the Rio is going to be ready in time for 2023. You know, just I, I think their renovations are just going to be so extensive. Um, I I could be wrong, but yeah. um. I don't mind, you know, taking a couple years off the Rio because I also think like once the Rio is fully renovated, um, those prices for the hotel rooms, um, that might be a little tricky. I don't know. Yeah, because everything I've read about the the Rio um, renovation is that like they really want to make it kind of like a place to be hotel. They want to take it back to the spirit of what that hotel was built for. Um, and let me tell you. As someone who stayed at the Rio for many years, it was not in the best of shape when they decided to renovate. Like there was a reason the price point was very affordable for us con goers and why the convention was constantly there. It wasn't just the fact it had a really, you know, big open convention space. It was also because the accommodation was very reasonable. So like Bally's, we're getting a decent deal on a room. I have no complaints about um, price hikes. What I will miss about the Rio is the large rooms. Um, you know, at Bally's, we're going to have more of the typical size hotel rooms in Vegas, which they serve our purpose, but they're not the hangout kind of central that the Rio rooms were. So that is what I will miss the most about the Rio rooms, I think, and just that accommodation. It's hard to say, like, I'll miss that much else about the Rio. I mean, I like their big open convention space because it was just so easy to deal with, like, to go from place to place and room to room. Um, but, like, in terms of, like, features and attractions within the Rio, it really didn't offer much anymore that was much of a draw. Yeah, look, um, I don't mind saying goodbye. The other thing is, like, it's off strip, we're, and I think we would only make it onto the strip maybe, like, I don't know, maximum twice uh, a year you know so i don't mind being like uh super central more adjacent uh we also get to go to a wedding a uh, dear friend uh and and guest of the show scott hardy is uh getting married up in fremont which is i i like fremont way more than the strip so i'm pumped for that as well um i think it's gonna be a great uh overall like vegas experience too um the big change i think for us perhaps one of the biggest changes is uh for the first time we're no longer doing our captain's tickets i think um we we kind of came to the realization that as the prices <laughs> went up and up and up for captain's tickets, the uh, accoutrement kept going down and down and down. We just weren't getting much of a bang for our buck. And I think what sold me was that horrible Tex-Mex meal, you know, which was uh, included in our ticket. It was the worst like Tex-Mex uh, meal I, I've ever had in my life. It's just it's just the dry meat and and uh, taco shells, and I I, I was horrified. It, even the desserts really sucked really really sucked uh that uh that kind of sealed the deal for me i was just i'm not putting any more money into uh the, these high price tickets so you and i were doing uh general admission um look i i you'll still get the atmosphere of being in the uh, convention hall it's also going to be a smaller convention hall as well so i i don't like we'll be definitely further back but look Half the time we were just staring at the uh, the jumbo screens, anyways, because we we're getting better views of what was going up on stage. Uh, yeah, so mm -hmm. I, I don't mind doing GA at this point. Uh, the, the other thing though is like the secondary ballroom is going to be a bit further away than compared with it in our, the Rio, where they're literally just across a hall from each other. Yeah, that was always super convenient. And one of my favorite things about the layout of that convention was just how easy it was to just pop from the main ballroom into the secondary. Um, it made, you know, if you're like, say, one of the people that likes to hit a lot of panels, it made it very convenient to deal with. So that is something I'm going to miss. And, you know, as you said, with the downgrading our tickets, you know, when I started going in 2012, um, I was buying captain's chair tickets. And like what you got was just so much more because it wasn't just like the uh the gala party was better i mean it was at that point on the roof of the voodoo nightclub yeah um the food was better the ambiance was better um cam they were feeding us lamb chops and, and yeah whipped garlic mashed potatoes and uh exquisite desserts 
Yes. And then also there was the dessert party where people would have built, you know, their own centerpieces and they were giving out ice cream and all that sort of stuff. They completely had scrapped that over the years into a very sad dance party where someone was basically just like doing kind of a DJ set to a mostly empty room. So that was like not worth paying for. And then, as you said, like the um, downgrading of that, the big party to that Tex-Mex sort of hangout in just like the uh, auditorium felt like a real stiff downgrade. And just like the escalating price was going up so much in comparison to what it used to be for so much less that I just, I couldn't justify it anymore. So general admission makes a lot of sense. We've paid the extra money to go to the Saturday night concert. So we're looking forward to that. But I don't know. Beyond that, I don't, I don't know that Captain's Chair offers enough anymore to really warrant the ticket price. Yeah. Now, if we get into kind of the meat of the matter, uh, like what will be uh, unfolding there? The lamb chops? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I miss those lamb chops. Um, uh, Look, we're going to get a a Saturday night gala, you know. Um, I think I scored a bit of a deal there. I think they're having kind of a sale or something like that on uh, creation. So uh, I, I, instead of being able to get that, you know, uh, complimentary with my captain's uh, seat, tickets i i do have to pay for that separately going to ga but um they're describing it as a fantastic night of music and entertainment with robert picardo and jordan bennett and tentatively other special guests so uh that's what we're getting there i think didn't we have like a spoken word poetry reading with nana visitor and renee abergeron um back in 2019 that was the dinner the Friday night captain's chair dinner. Okay. Uh, the gala, the various galas I've seen, a lot of years it was the um, Las Vegas Pops Orchestra performing Star Trek music, or it was the Star Trek stars on Broadway um, where they sang show tunes, and it was people like, um, who sang those years? It was like Camille Saviola. It was, did Nana Visitor sing, perhaps? Yeah, I think, didn't she do Fever? Or was that during the Rat Pack? That might have been at the Rat Pack, but there was various Star Trek stars. Yeah, yeah Tim Russ performed uh, like uh, some Bob Dylan songs uh, during that as well. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, okay, so b- beyond that sort of stuff, uh, we also have uh, a tribute to Nichelle Nichols, which uh, we, we were able to talk to her a little bit, um, uh, talk about her a little bit uh, just the other week. Uh, so I, I'm glad that we'll have a uh, like another discussion. But if I'll be honest. For the last few years, they've kind of, um, they've been doing tributes to her leading up to this, you know, in that yes. every single year it's like, yeah, Nichelle Nichols, she's not doing any more conventions anymore. And they bring her up in a wheelchair and she is in the background and people talk about her and she's not really saying anything. They've done that like a lot. And so I guess this will be the final tribute now that um, she's passed on. So the only thing, and and I I think she deserves a tribute, but I wonder what we'll be getting that um, I guess hasn't been said before. You know, if, if I can try to phrase that in a, uh, in a in a gentle way. I don't know what they're going to do because this is something that I guess they'll having to be put together. You know, they'll have to be put together at fairly short notice because they didn't really know this was coming. So like, I know with like the Nimoy one, they used to screen. Um, his farewell con for part of the tribute. So I don't know if they're going to screen, you know, past footage they had with her at conventions. That's entirely possible. I would also, what I think would make it really work for me would be if they brought some Star Trek stars of note, you know, people of color perhaps who were on the show who could talk about like how she paved the way for, you know, the characters they played or what inspiration she, you know, holds within the world of Star Trek for them and to make it more of a heartfelt celebration of her and just the influence that character has because Uhura is a character who didn't have a lot in terms of character arcs on the show, but, like, her presence was very important and I would like to hear people who actually really were impacted by that presence talk about it. I don't know that I get that as much if it's just, like, you know, say the MC of the convention telling us how awesome Nichelle Nichols is. Yeah, I know. Um, we're also going to be getting a uh, uh, the Rat Pack performance in which we have a lot of the actors, you know, like Von Armstrong, Max Grodenschek, uh, uh, Casey Biggs. Uh, they do great performances to cap off the convention Sunday evenings. I'm glad that they're back again. Uh, we also have a 40-year screening and a 20-year screening 
of Wrath of Khan and Nemesis, respectively. I suspect attendance will be um, leaning heavily towards one screening over the other, but I'm kind of intrigued. Um, look, still TBD when those screenings will happen, but uh, Cam, I, I am kind of tempted just to see what the audience reaction is going to be like for Nemesis. I gotta be honest with you, Nemesis is the one I really want to attend. I mean, Wrath of Khan, I've seen it many times, and I've seen it in movie theaters multiple times. I just actually watched it with my parents. They'd never seen it. And so I watched it with them maybe like a month ago. Um, so it's very, very fresh in my mind. Whereas like Nemesis, Nemesis is like interesting because when it came out, it was not well received. It was a real box office dud. And a lot of fans have disliked Nemesis for a long time. And so it's always funny when you have something like that within fandom that was not popular, that because it now has the benefit of age, in this case, 20 years, <laughs> we're now doing anniversary celebration screenings of this <laughs> film. So I am entirely down to go and watch this movie, which Star Trek Picard season one went out of its way to make irrelevant. <laughs> well, okay. Um, look, uh, if we can kind of reinterpret it in our minds and come to appreciate it, I'm okay with that. It's also the the uh, Tom Hardy's first big role in a Hollywood film. So uh, that mm -hmm. guy, he he went places after that. That's for sure. So uh, we also have uh, a uh, update on the Star Trek Voyager documentary. Garrett Wong will be uh, leading that. So I'm intrigued. Uh, I will be skipping out on yoga class with Mary Chifo, but um, you know, sixty bucks. How dare it's, you? Uh, I, I got to be turning that sixty dollars towards uh, my Dominic Keating um, uh, photo that I, I definitely need to get because he'll be doing karaoke along with Connor Trenier uh, Thursday night. Um, that the karaoke stuff is always fun, except look, it, it's the same songs that get picked every single time. And it always seems to be the same people up on stage every single time. That's my number one complaint. It's like, whoever's in charge of it, I wish, I don't know, pass the reins over to somebody else. You know, it's just like karaoke is fun, but I, it, it, it seems like the same old, same old, like every single year. Yeah. What I would be doing would be handing over the hosting duties of karaoke to some of the younger stars of like Star Trek Discovery, for example, or if people from Strange New Worlds want to do it, or just like get some of like the younger energy running this party. Like I think it would just be a fun mix up to to try and maybe even like because they usually do two karaoke nights, do one with more classic hosts and do one with like younger, newer hosts. Uh, yes, I, I think that'd be look if you get some of the Discovery um, performers there, that would be fun. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, uh, okay. And so we are talking about the distinction between the gala and the, uh, dinner event. Uh, Tignan Taro is actually going to be the, uh, the featured presenter there. Uh, she's going to be doing some comedy. Um, I, I, she like, I like her sense of humor. It's super dry. Um, I like, uh, Jet Reno on, uh, Discovery just cause it's not quite a character you've seen before in Star Trek. So unfortunately it's for gold, gold patrons only. So, uh, Cam, we uh -huh. won't be going unless, I don't know, we're, we're willing to throw down hundreds to somehow get in, uh, which I don't think will be uh, quite worth it for me. No, no. And I will note to people out there who are interested, the Tignataro photo op is actually very reasonable. So if you would like to walk away from this convention with some sort of at least, you know, personal experience with Tignataro, I'd recommend the photo op. It's uh, a lot cheaper than listed on the creation main page. Well, okay, speaking of photo ops, uh, I think this is going to have to be the year that I, I, I put down the 100 bucks and go for William Shatner. I've been putting it off so long, but I need to get my picture taken with him. Look, uh, it, so it is a very uh, quick turn of events in which uh, Paul Wesley, who uh, is playing, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, Captain Kirk in uh, Strange New Worlds, uh, he was briefly going to be a convention um, uh, 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 headliner of sorts there and he and Shatner were going to be doing dual photo ops which I found intriguing I, I only wish I was a bigger Paul Wesley fan I, I know he's got uh, his um, devoted fan base from the Vampire Diaries um, so the other thing we should say is like we're recording this uh, just a few days in advance who knows how the um, the roster changes up here but like we know that you know Shatner, Takei, uh, Walter Koenig will be there, other big names, uh, Mulgrew. I, I, I'm really pumped for Zach Quinto. I've never seen him at a convention before, so that'll be pretty cool. Otherwise, we've got some other folks, big big people that you know we've seen before, like Jerry Ryan, uh, Sneakwa Martin-Green, uh, Doug Jones. I really hope 
that the uh, Sonequa Martin-Green uh, panel is uh, much more engaging than the previous one in which, unfortunately, uh, we had a situation in, in which all that happened was uh, somebody just sat there and described the entire plot of season two to her, yep. and she just had to comment on the plot, and it was super awkward. And also, like, as, you know, someone who's interviewed actors, it's far better to pick specific character-driven moments and get them to open up about how they work through those scenes. They can comment on that. They can talk about those experiences. When you ask them to, dis- like, describe, like, plot details, you get very little. And uh, it was a, I'm going to say, torturous panel. It was the worst panel I've ever attended at a Star Trek con. I would say so as well, yeah. Uh, we had a friend, I think he was in the front row. Uh, he fell asleep and had to stand up and walk away because he didn't want to have um, Sneaker Martin Green catch him snoozing off during this panel. I, it was that bad. It was so torturous. And the fact that it landed on the Sunday. I mean, people have partied at that point. Like this year, the con is only four days. In past years, it was five, you know, at least the last. Well, since 2016, really, they've been doing five days. Um, And that one landed on day five after people have been partying late every night. They're tired. They've been living the Vegas lifestyle. And then they're sitting there listening to a moderator read out basically the Wikipedia plot synopsis for the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery. You (laughs) cannot do that to that crowd. Like, I am not someone who nods off during conventions at all. I was getting, like, bleary-eyed. It it, it was... It was brutal. Um, I am pumped, though, that we're having a lot more um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds guests added on. Uh, Of course, uh, we were there when uh, Anson Mounts and uh, Ethan Peck uh, had attended a few years ago. But now we get people like Jess Bush. uh, She'll be attending. Uh, uh, Celia Gooding is going to be there as well. Uh, I I, I really like her take on Uhura. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Um, Yeah, just look, I I, I think there'll be a lot of fun because I, I think... I, I don't think we're just talking out of turn, though. Like, I, I think the executive uh, in charge of Paramount Plus has even said that Strange New Worlds uh, is getting, like, the uh, most of, of the viewings out of the new Star Trek shows, right? I think it really has reinvigorated the franchise in a way that uh, the, the other shows quite haven't been able to hit upon. Yeah, I think that they are. And we've talked about this in the past on the show. Like, I really did wonder what kind of reception they would get at a Star Trek con we're actually going to see because for a long time they hadn't announced a lot of the cast. We still have a few, like Christina Chong has not signed on yet that we know of to appear at the con. That could change by the time this episode comes out um, and likely will change by the time this episode comes out. But, uh, you know, um, so, like, I'm interested to see once, if they can get that whole cast there, like, how rapturous the response is because I really think it's going to be big you know, and when we had the Discovery cast, when they all kind of showed up, or at least the majority of them for the first time, it was kind of weird. You know, you could tell a lot of people hadn't watched the show. It was still a lot of distrust about CBS All Access. People didn't want to pay to watch Star Trek. Uh, it was now seems rather eye-rolling to look back on, and it was at the time, to be honest. Um, so, like, that show, it has its issues, nonetheless, but, like... The response to that cast was not maybe what you would expect for, you know, the first appearance of a big cast, whereas I think Strange New Worlds is going to have a very different response. The the convention hall, the main convention hall is like shockingly empty. I think you and I were genuinely just shocked by how empty it was when the Discovery uh, cast came on. I I just, I'll be honest, I think a lot of the fans that are just... for them, it's kind of the nostalgia factor. They love seeing, you know, mm-hmm. Jonathan Frakes and Marita Sirtis, you know, and and for them, if they hear about some, you know, new Star Trek shows, that that to them is not kind of the driving force about why they're going to come into the big convention hall when they could be hanging out in the vendors room or maybe there's a cool panel going on in the secondary ballroom. I get it now. At the time, I didn't get it because I was intrigued about seeing Star Trek back on TV again. Um, I get the sense that you will get like more of a rapturous crowd with regards to Strange New Worlds and, and Discovery too. Like I, I think mm-hmm. you know the, the, that fan base has certainly grown since you know five years ago. Yeah, and I remember even that first time they all showed up, like how empty their autograph tables were in the vendors hall, which I was like, oh, these these poor actors, <laughs> these poor actors. Like I'm sure that their agents and whatever have told them like. 
you're going to a Star Trek con. <laughs> this is going to be a big deal. Like, you know that they were thinking that because there's this long history of Star Trek cons are kind of like the mecca of genre cons. Like, that's kind of what really got the ball rolling on everything that's led to all the, you know, Comic Cons and all that sort of thing. So, like, they had to be thinking that and then to not get that response must have been a little bit deflating. But I'm glad they've come back since. And I think the response has gotten warmer and warmer with every passing year. So, yeah, I don't think the Discovery people now are going to be dealing with empty rooms the way they were in year one. But I really think, like, you're going to see a big response to Strange New Worlds. What I really feel like I missed out on, though, I really would have liked to have seen the crowd response to the Picard cast um, last year when we didn't go. Well, it would would have also been a much smaller uh, group of people attending the convention then. So I don't know how comparable those situations are you know like so i think maybe what we can look forward to is like how big the picard uh audience is going to be at this point because we have you know uh i think michelle hurd is going to be there evan evagoria isa brionis um i don't believe patrick stewart is yeah pretty sure patrick stewart's not going to be at the convention but even um you know uh jerry taylor you know like i'm sure she'll be out in some sort of a card panel uh, which she'll be a draw for sure so uh yeah but that oh jerry has... ryan jerry ryan Oh, did I say Jerry Taylor? Yeah. I wish she was there. I'd ask her. Didn't she go last year? She did, yeah. Ah, oh, that's such a bummer. I've never seen her. I, for those that don't recall, she was a co-creator of uh, Star Trek Voyager. She was a showrunner for the first couple of years. I think she was the showrunner for the final season of Next Generation as well. Stories to tell, I, I, I can assure you. Yeah. Um, but, like, I am interested what the Picard cast has to say because, like, I haven't seen them on stage. I'm always interested in, like, kind of the newer energy on stage, even if I'm not really digging what the shows are doing. Because, like, we've kind of heard a lot of the classic anecdotes from the favorites. You know, some people switch it up. Sometimes every time you go to their panel, you're going to get kind of a different experience. Like, Marina Sirtis rarely repeats her panels. It's always something different. But then, like, there's others who kind of go through the greatest hits. Whereas I feel like... With these new talent, even if, as I said, like I'm not a fan of Picard season two or whatever, they're still bringing an energy and maybe a sense of humor that I haven't seen before. So that always gets me excited about attending those panels. Well, and you know, they started doing a smart thing, like maybe the 2018, 2019, and that they got a lot of these really engaging actors to moderate these panels. You know, Garrett Wong was doing it, uh, Terry Farrell was doing it, and I think that really uh, gave it a, a certain amount of energy. And because uh, sometimes you could just, you know, push a, a couple actors out on stage and just do this nonstop Q&A. Um, sometimes the Q&As don't go great. So it's great when you have kind of a, 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 a an ace moderator there to guide things along. Um, I'll say this. I'm not going to name names. Um, there is a terrible <laughs> moderator that uh, ha- has appeared in Star Trek that they keep going back to. And I don't know why, because this person um, asks terrible questions that are very nonspecific and very soft questions and i am bored out of my mind and you can tell the actors that are responding to these questions that they don't ever have good answers because they're such terrible questions which is weird because i would think the reason it works like for example garrett wong uh, moderating a panel is like he's done a billion of these he's been hit with every question possible and he knows like what's going to get a fun response versus what's going to get a boring response and so he knows how to engineer questions that are going to lead to a good panel you would think that you know an actor on star trek who's attended a vast number of panels would have picked up on that i think it might be this particular performer's own um personality traits that are behind uh Mm. their perhaps limited ability abilities to tap into moderating and that's not to say that this person doesn't have other great fantastic abilities uh, you know their character i I really like i just i hope this person's not moderating again because it's torture absolute torture moderating is not easy uh so like i i have sympathy for people that don't quite pull it off but yeah like you want to find the people that can really get a lively panel because ultimately this isn't like a free event. People are paying a lot of money. Yes. So you want to get really good panels. So they walk out, you know, being like, oh, my God, did you attend that panel? That was the best. Because one thing I often hear from people who go to the con every year, it always kind of makes me like shake my head is like people who say like, oh, I didn't really go to any panels for the convention. And I'm like, 
Is that because maybe a lot of the panels don't deliver things that people feel they need to show up for? And I think they should. I don't think there's a reason the panel should just be kind of softballed in because, well, I don't know, there's the actor on stage. You might as well be there. No, I think it should be entertaining. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why we eventually started seeing things like um, Aaron Eisenberg and Max Godencheck. Uh First time they ever did it was that uh, first Seattle convention we went to together. But they started, you know, putting on fringy makeup and, and performing as Nog and Rom. And that that's something you need to go to a panel for. And we also saw uh, Robert O'Reilly and uh, J.G. Hertzler uh, getting the makeup job for... Uh, uh, Gowron and Martok, and that, that was driving people in. Like, I think you need to be doing this sort of stuff. Um, nothing was better than watching uh, the makeup artist, uh, the great Michael Westmore, applying makeup onto um, one uh, Robert Beltran. And Cam, it looked as if he took a Sharpie to his face to put on that uh, facial <laughs> tattoo. Is the most awkward-looking thing. I wish we got photos with it just as a joke, um, but it was still entertaining to see that uh, unfold. But we also got to see him do that with um, Terry Farrell, like putting the spots on her. Like these are the types of things. Like just think outside of the box, you know, like um, I hate Jimmy Fallon as a late show host. I think he's just grating and terrible. I think the reason why his show is successful though is because he's getting performers to do goofy games and stuff. So I like he's despite the fact he's not a very funny person, uh, he's got people doing funny things. And I think that's a big driver for uh, his own show's popularity. And when you hear people talk about, say, like the cruises and their approaches to some of these panels, like there's some creative approaches, like getting the actors to do voiceover, like Mystery Science Theater commentary over, you know, episodes of the show, especially episodes that are maybe not the greatest. Like you can get really (laughs) fun stuff there. I would like to see Vegas explore more of those types of options. But like, I do think when it comes to panels, like creativity, um, people don't want to hear the same questions. Like, and I know that for everyone, you know, or not for everyone, but for a lot of people, it's their first convention going. But like, if they sit, you know, if you're sitting in your seat, it's your first time going and they ask, you know, LeVar Burton, how did you get into acting? You're not going to get an energetic response. You're going to get kind of the like very pat, like, well, okay, here's the version of this that works at cons. But you're not getting like something that's going to leave you going, man, that was a great panel. I think if you give people specific questions or outside the box questions, you can get a panel that's much more energetic and that people are going to walk out really enjoying, like having fun with. Look, uh, if LeVar Burton, uh, you get the chance to ask him a question, um, ask him what it's like to work with his daughter. He's been getting that opportunity to do mm. so. And I think he would just, uh, he would die to talk about that experience, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, I just remember, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but there was this one convention goer a couple years ago who would go up at every single panel with a notebook and ask the same question. And it's like, what was the greatest lesson you learned from Star Trek? Everybody was just like, oh, uh, that's such a good question. And nobody gave a good answer. That, that is such a difficult question to answer. And, and also, Cam, a uh, um, serious question. What was the greatest lesson you've learned from uh, your own work? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like people, yeah, people think that all of the actors who work on Star Trek are as inspired by Star Trek <laughs> as they are. Yeah. That is not the case. For a lot of these people, it was a very difficult, busy job where they did not spend a lot of time thinking about every episode. It was like they recorded the episode, they were on to the next one. Yes. Uh, They did not sit there and soak up the lore of Star Trek. Not referring to lore, the evil android. But yes, nonetheless. Uh, Going backwards, just a a split second... I now can't remember if I made reference to Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, but I, I want to clarify. I like Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, it's Jimmy Fallon who I cannot stand. I, I, I can't emphasize enough. You, you got it correct. Did I? Okay. You good. got it correct. Not to pick on Jimmy yeah. Fallon, but um, he's not funny. <laughs> you actually swoop back around to get in a second dig. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Watch. He's going to be the moderator for all the panels at the uh, convention. That, but if he is, that, that well, look, if he's a moderator, that I, I'd actually be down for that because that's something different, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm thinking like for some people you know this is their first con who would be like a couple people you would say hit up those panels oh oh for like a first time convention guard uh well okay off the top of my head uh jerry ryan is always great uh i'd also say that uh okay (laughs) shatner is hit or miss yep i was i saw him at um 
at Fan Expo here in Vancouver uh, a couple months ago, back in February. Uh, it was it was a miss, a big miss there. Mulgrew, I would never in my life want to go on a road trip with her, but she is a storyteller, and uh, she's always engaging for these panels. I would say that uh, I'm sure um, uh, Ron Perlman's got some stories to tell. Um, I would avoid, okay, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to tell people to avoid certain people. Uh, it, it, it's yeah. kind of tough, but um, somebody who kind of surprised me with... Um, how uh maybe di- different levels of charisma versus on screen versus on stage uh anson mount we weren't really getting a lot of awesome stories except until jason isaacs like crashed his panel and um Lorca was just ribbing uh his replacement non-stop and that made it a lot of fun i think uh, actually anson mount loosened up a lot i think it just depends a lot on who you're uh uh, paired up with because I remember one year that we had Linda Park on a big panel with like uh, John Billingsley and uh, Connor Trenier and and uh, uh, Dominic Keating and the three dudes were just yucking it up and she was she, she was a total wallflower I was like huh the next year she's doing her own thing she was incredibly engaging there so it really kind of depends on uh, who you're mm-hmm. matched up with though so um, I don't know unfortunately like Somebody like Marina Sirtis isn't going to be there. She is always like a uh, a go-to person for the convention, you know. But, uh, oh, Denise Crosby, uh, she, she's always got stories to tell. And you asked her like kind of a good question a couple years ago at a different convention, not in Vegas. I think it was in San Francisco, but I think you're asking about uh, her appearance in Jackie Brown, um, that Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, your mileage will vary on Ethan Phillips, but um, I, I find him entertaining. So, and Garrett Wong, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I would say you have a really good bet if you're attending, because they often do, you know, the group panels in Vegas. If you hit up either the TNG cast one or the Voyager cast ones, the chances are it's going to be pretty darn entertaining. I would say, like, consistently, that's the case. As you said, like, Shatner's such an interesting one, because you and I have been at Shatner panels where we were just scratching our heads for the hour. And then we've been at others where, like, the biggest laughs of the entire weekend came from his panels. So you just never know. <laughs> uh, I just want to add that uh, also appearing will be uh, John Billingsley, who is always a hoot. Uh, mm-hmm. I, back in San Francisco, he had some sort of contest going on with the uh, during the Q and A, and he's he was like, "I it's impossible to embarrass me uh, by any question you ask," and so the goal is like to try to embarrass him with a question, and then. Um, I went up and I asked him, are, are those the same clothes that you were wearing yesterday? And everybody laughed uh, because he was wearing the same clothes as the day before. And uh, I won a poem that he wrote. And I think <laughs> it came with his his toenails, Cam, as well. Yes, that's correct. Um, So that's something there. Um, Oh, and Jonathan Frakes. You still have them? I, I definitely have the poem. I think I got rid of the toenails before I took my flight from San Francisco to Vancouver. I did not want to be stopped <laughs> at the border and have to try to explain what those toenails were yeah that's a smart choice yeah, yeah. smart choice but you're saying about jonathan frakes uh he's always good at dishing out uh you know stories there mm-hmm. um that seattle experience where uh he ended up taking a phone call on on the stage and then laying down on his back during the phone call um yep that was something very memorable but uh yeah i don't know like those are just like maybe maybe half the names that people are going uh those are the ones uh you should definitely check out and i'm really curious about tawny newsom i think that panel could be really good um she's the only really major um cast member from lower decks at least so far listed at the convention at the time of recording and i mean she you know was the host of the official star trek podcast plus her performance as mariner on lower decks is so energetic i'm really interested to see if that could be a real like bring down the house panel I, I yes, I'm I'm totally pumped. Um, I'm I'm thinking just with regards to photo ops. I mentioned Shatner. I also think I need mm-hmm. to get um, an Andy Robinson photo op, and I also would like to do. Uh, I, I think Tony Newsom would fun. Like get get to these actors uh, while they're still young and vibrant. I should say. I'm I'm not getting 1993 <laughs> uh, Andrew Robinson in, in, in this situation. Um, or, or I'm not, and I'm definitely not getting 1969 William Shatner. Uh, speaking of young and vibrant, I will be buying a photo op with Walter Koenig um, because he's the last of the you know original series ones who are going to be in attendance that I don't have a you know photo op or an autograph with. So that just feels that much more necessary because you know as you learn 
if you attend these cons long enough, just things happen. Suddenly those stars who seemed like, oh, they'll be there next year, they're not there the next year. Um, so for that reason, I will be doing a photo op with him. Beyond that, like the, yeah, the Andy Robinson one seems like one that I probably should have done long ago. And I feel the same way about Armin Shimmerman, where it's like, you and I went, you know, some years ago and did a group photo op with the, it was listed as the DS9 cast, but it was like a lot of recurring characters. Uh, Avery Brooks was not there. Well, he canceled. He was supposed to be there. Yeah. And then he dropped out last minute. And they replaced him with? One, Hana Hate, um, a.k.a. Molly O'Brien. Correct, yeah. So, like, we got a good group photo, but there was a few key members missing. So I would like to kind of fill in those gaps. Um, with the new cast, is there any that are jumping out to you that you would be considering a photo op with? Just Tony Newsom? Um, yeah, maybe Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck? Okay. I think Ethan Peck would, would be up there as well. Yeah. Um trying to think you know like like if, if tawny newsom and jack quaid were doing like a, a dual photo op mm. i'd be down for that 100 percent. and, and it, uh yeah i think that'd be a lot of fun it's just fun because like they both kind of resemble their characters to a certain degree too uh just put that purple hair on on jack quaid and um you know i i'd be sold on that photo op yeah if they showed up wearing like uniforms like lower decks i mean <laughs> Take my money now. They did that at the Chicago convention. That's why I'm holding out hope. I know. I know. I know. So. That was the official Star Trek con, yeah, though. Yeah. So, which uh, there will be another official Star Trek con in May 2023 in Seattle. Uh, so you and I will definitely be uh, taking the trip down the I-5 to go to that. So that's going to be an interesting experience. Like, I've never been to any of the official, well, I guess... STLV, Star Trek Las Vegas, used to be official, but I've never been to any of the ones run by, you know, CBS slash Paramount that have, uh, I guess, gone to Read Pop to uh, mm-hmm. do them. And from what I understand, Read Pop as a company is a very different experience versus creation, but uh, I'm intrigued by what those differences are going to be like. Yeah, um, because we've heard people talk about the Chicago Con, but not in the level of depth yet where I feel like I have a good understanding. And maybe it's a case where I won't have a good understanding until I actually attend one and can actually make the comparison myself between, you know, the creation ones and those. Yeah, so the convention in Seattle is going to be right downtown. Uh, the convention center is right downtown, and that's where it will be held. I'm, I'm just, it, but it's not going to be the same experience as going to like Bally's or Rio, where they have a convention center attached. I mean, there are hotels nearby this convention center. I don't know. Um, just based on my uh, trip down to Seattle uh, last month, uh, I don't know how economical the um, hotel block rates are going to be. Uh, so I don't know. You and me, we might be. Uh, leaning more towards an Airbnb situation that weekend that will be within walking distance. Maybe we'll be on uh, Capitol Hill rather than uh, downtown. But uh, either way, um, uh, Seattle's changed since uh, yep. the pandemic. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this experience during the convention, though. Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that con because I don't know what I can expect. Whereas like the creation ones, you have a real good sense I, I will say, like, just given the many times we've been to the creation, they really do deliver a really solid convention experience. And you and I are, while not veterans of the official Read Pop cons, we are veterans of, say, like the fan expos in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And just like the difference in terms of fan engagement at a creation con versus these more, you know, regional fan expos, night and day. So those, you know, out there who've never been to a Star Trek con and are maybe going to this year's or considering next year's, like, you're going to have a really good experience and really have that sort of spirit of Star Trek awakened in you if you don't already have it. Um, just spending those four or five days among fans um, in these cons. Well, one last thing I want to touch on, though, is the uh, vendor room experience. I, I, I'm not sure quite what to expect. It's going to be a different setup versus uh, the Rio uh, setup that we had in Vegas. Uh, I'm also at the point where I don't know how much more Star Trek merch I really need or am really interested in. Same. You know, like, so if there's t-shirts, I'm probably more in the market for that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to get a, a La Chateau Picard, uh, you know, uh, wine shirt or anything like that uh if they have a cool lower decks one yeah that could be fun 
Um, if they are selling uh, Dr. Mabenga uh, uh, fishing caps, um, I am 100% buying that bad boy. Yeah, like for me uh, in the vendor's room, t-shirts for sure. Uh, my t-shirts from you know Star Trek themed t-shirts have definitely gotten thin over the years because I haven't been to conventions to replenish them. Uh, so yes, I need some more of those. Uh, I also like doing uh, autograph photos with some of the original series guest stars. So there's a few going this year, although I see a number of them have canceled for this year. Um, but the woman who played Isis the cat at the end of Assignment Earth is still scheduled to attend. I will 100% be getting that autograph photo. And um, I, I would recommend to people, you know, who maybe like doing those autographs, like you have a pretty good experience if you do the ones in the vendor's room, more so than like the big lineup ones in the main auditoriums or whatever. Like the William Shatner autograph line isn't going to get you much. It's going to be basically just like a conveyor belt rapid fire through. Whereas if it's a star who's in the main, um, you know, vendor's room, you can actually, you know, talk to them, have a bit of a human connection moment. Um, I've had a few that were actually pretty fun. And if you are a newbie, like someone like Garrett Wong, for example, is really, you know, you're going to have a good experience getting a photo op for, or an autograph from him, you know, in the vendor's room. So I would recommend those experiences to those who collect such things. And I will never let you live this down, Cam, but that uh, great uh, experience you had with Marina Sirtis getting uh, a signed uh, photo there where you go up and uh, she asks you, and who is this for? And you look her straight in the eye and said, it's for me. And she was like, and what <laughs> might, might be your name be? And then, uh, I think I may have interrupted and said his name is Cam. <laughs> but, um, that was fun. Yep. I said that there, you can have a positive uh, human interaction with some of these stars. You can also have a very awkward encounter that will lead to a very amusing story that you can mm. have recited back to you or <laughs> recite yourself for many years to come. Cam, this probably happened in Vancouver, would you say, 11 years ago, and I'm still bringing it up? Yeah, that's about <laughs> right. It probably was like the 2012 or 13 uh, fan expo i would say okay okay yeah. so uh i don't know the only other thing that i'm kind of in the market for in terms of vendors room is uh uh an eagle moss runabout model and uh we all mm. know that eagle moss has kind of gone under uh they're, they're known of course for making uh those really nice replicas of starships at uh you know those scale models and uh they're just beautiful so it's unfortunate the the company is i don't know some sort of receivership but uh yeah if they have um third-party vendors selling them I, i'd be willing to pay you know um I, I won't tell you just what my price limit would be in case these uh, vendors are, are are gonna haggle with me but uh, a, a pretty penny for a nice uh, looking runabout is that like the last of the eagle moss ships you would want to grab i think so yeah yeah, unless they get that USS Vancouver out there as a last minute. Well, the only thing is, option. yeah, but like Eagle Moss, like they kind of announced this, and it just it, it's not going to happen now. That's what it seems like. And also the price that they originally announced, because I think it was going to be like the large scale model versus kind of the standard smaller yeah. model. I was looking at that price point. It's like uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to go into the ether with the um. Takuvma action figure <laughs> that was going to happen. It'd be great if this is when they finally uh, unveil the long-awaited uh, uh, Takuvma action figure, and you know it, it's for sale as of this convention. They've been putting out these very, like I think, quite expensive but very impressive action figures lately. Of uh, there's a uh, Janeway one. I can't remember. There was another one I think recently. But like, if they made like their third or fourth one Takuvma. I would give them an applause. I'd be like, you know what? Bravo. You guys really went for it there. I, You know what? Uh, maybe I might have to go halvesies in on it with you just uh, just to make a point. Like, good for hanging in there, baby. It would be a very limited run, I would have to imagine. Um, if we went and polled random Star Trek fans at the convention, we let's say we asked 100 people who Takuma was. Mm, yeah. Would they be able to identify him? I... You see, that I'm torn because, like, I know so well who it is, but that's also because of this podcast and how often we reference Takuvma because of them, like, teasing that action figure and various other things. The fact you and I are, no, well, I think you bailed after the first issue, but I read the entire Takuvma comic book series. Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like I have a real grasp on the icon that is Takuvma. 
But you're right. Like, I think if I went to a lot of fans and just said Takuvma, it would blend together with so many other, you know, Klingon names that it would, they'd be like, oh, is that one of the ones in that season one Worf episode of TNG? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm betting you maybe two, three people tops would be able to immediately uh, tell you who Takuma was if you went and pulled the average convention goer. Yeah. Well, but that's you and I have discussed this in the past where it's like how many of these sort of like, you know, single episode or two episode characters from the new Trek have really made impact where people will remember them. It seems like with Discovery, there's few and far between, and Takuma falls right squarely into that sort of realm. I think uh, Harry Mudd is probably leading the pack, and it's mostly because he uh, appeared in the original series a couple times. Who's second? Like, is there another one? Uh, well, it ain't Takuma. So it's just people that only were in, like, one or two episodes that may have made, like, an impact. So even even somebody like Leland, he was in multiple, he's written more episodes like than that. Uh, so is, same with Laurel. Uh, same with um, Sukal. Uh, yeah, but it's also like hard to. Oh, uh, the Guardian, the the Trill Guardian. Uh, I think he's been in two episodes of Discovery. Um, oh God, has he made an impact? Oh, oh what about the? I um, don't know his name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Earth Defense Force um, General, the one with the cool hat. Uh-huh. She's been in two episodes. Um, uh-huh. I think she's going to be there actually at the con. Okay. <laughs> What's her name, Cam? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, is there somebody from Strange New Worlds that's been in two episodes that made a. I don't know. I, I would say, like, this character has not appeared twice, but I think Captain Angel could become one of those characters, okay. but we haven't seen proof of that yet. Um, but no, I don't think anything jumps out in uh, strange new worlds and picard uh it's all a blur <laughs> sutra sutra yeah although that one's kind of cheating it I, is cheating kind of but it, i agree yeah um i agree well, you know sutra. what <laughs> uh, here's one who appeared in two episodes of uh star trek picard uh one william t Riker. that's a pretty solid one right there okay what about um renee picard the ancestor or the descendant, I should say. I think she may have been in three episodes. No, Ancestor, right? Yeah. No. Was she? I'm getting mixed up. <laughs> I'm getting mixed up in the timey-wimey-wimeyness of Star Trek Picard. <laughs> uh, she was... Uh, Picard was a descendant of hers. Right. Yes. Okay. So she was one of Picard's ancestors. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. I think she was in three episodes, though. Okay. The fact I could at least name her gives her a few points. There you go. It's it's also a bit of a cheat because his nephew is named Renee as well. Quiet. <laughs> That's the best I've got. <laughs> okay, so, you know, just as as we wrap up, you know, do you have any kind of final thoughts on, you know, attending the convention? Because we're going to do our usual wrap-up convention once it's over. But, like, I don't know, like, what's your, like, biggest expectation of this con? That I don't get sick, I guess. Uh, and that mm. uh, it feels safe. Uh, the atmosphere is cool. There's good vibes flowing through. Uh, that I get to have fun, and uh, that people are just chill. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, for me, similar line of thought where it's like, my main hope is that all of these anxieties that I have kind of settle when I get there, and it's like I'm back in kind of the mode of that con fun spirit that I've, you know, gone to since 2012. Like, every year that's been one of the highlights of my year. And so I'm hoping that once I get there and settle back into the groove, I get to experience it again so fingers crossed that's the case and that when we do our wrap-up episode, it's all, you know, laughter and smiles because <laughs> I don't want to have the one where you and I are like sniffling through the whole episode. <laughs> I don't think it'll be sniffles. I think it'll be like really dry coughs. It'll be a uh, lot of editing on my part. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Well, Cam, coming up next week, we will be doing a season two Blu-ray review of Star Trek Lower Decks. That's in anticipation of the season three premiere coming up at the very end of this month um we'll, we'll take a little bit of break we'll, we'll have to have a uh, a special episode that uh we also recorded this evening that will drop um uh after that uh, uh season premiere and then we'll do our convention wrap-up and then we'll be back 
to review the uh, first three episodes of Lower Decks. So the, the reason I'm kind of spilling the beans here is just so people do know that we do plan on recapping uh, Lower Decks throughout this season. Yeah, they did not take into consideration our recording schedule with the convention, <laughs> no. and uh, we are hurt by that. Very much so. You can, of course, find us on the Twitter. I'm at Cam, V is in vaccinated and ready to party, Smith. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> and you can find me at Reportin. That's R-E-P-O-R-T. T is in Takuva action figures for the win. O-N. Okay, so until next time, the arena is closed. complete.